project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Dr. John Zellum from Streamline Solutions Consulting. But before we begin, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast through their iPhone. So please pick up your device, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave our show a rating and a review. You could also check out our podcast at medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast, where you could find all of our episodes. You could check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Elsewhere Classified on social media by going to Facebook or Instagram. You could check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services, where you could find groups for medical coding, clinical documentation integrity, and also health information management. While you're there, if you need a speaker, you could check out our services. Also, if you need a business partner to promote your brand, service, or product, you can reach out to us if you have any questions. And of course, you can find me, Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So in today's Sequela episode with Dr. John Zellum, we get into his career journey from a general surgeon and finding his way into creating his own company, Streamline Solutions Consulting, and the development of Utilization Management 360. Some of the things we talk about in part one of this interview are physician burnout, uh, removal of corporate handcuffs. Uh, I actually go into talking about the surgeon's cut. I don't know if you watch Netflix, but uh, we go into talking about some of the episodes in there. And then he begins to talk about Utilization Management 360. I did have a few questions, but one interesting conversation that we had was about puzzle solving. Literally, jigsaw puzzle solving. So without further ado, here is part one of my interview with Dr. John Zellum. Enjoy. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. This episode is a sequela episode. And uh, quickly from his previous uh, 
um, appearance on this podcast uh, back in September. Uh, he was originally on the, the podcast episode with his brother, uh, Jim Zellum. So today on the podcast, I have uh, out of the Zellum brothers, uh, Dr. John Zellum. Uh, Dr. Zellum, how are you today? I'm good, Brandon. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, so I'm glad to have you back. Uh, we discussed this earlier. Uh, so for those that are listening, uh, you can listen to uh, Dr. John Zellum on our previous podcast episode uh, with the Zellum brothers. It was him and his brother, Jim. Uh, it was called uh, The Stepping Stones of Leadership uh, with the Zellum brothers. So you can check that out. That was released back in September and early uh, October. Now, I was just re- revealing to Dr. Zellum that uh, the stats on that were great because usually when I release podcast episodes, it's one guest, two parts. And the behavior on people listening to these episodes it's usually where they have where, where the first episode is listened to and then the second part nobody really listens to after that. But because of the message that you guys brought to the table, leadership, and I think the interaction with uh, the brothers, uh, you know, one from one state, one from another. So it's kind of felt like a little uh, family reunion in a way. Uh, I think the, the audience was well, well received the, the episode. So. Uh, this episode, I mean, sorry, the, the, the Stepping Stones episode, the first part uh, was a good number, but the second part over, surpassed the uh, amount of downloads compared to the first episode or the first part of the episode. So which tells me that um, it tells me that the audience liked <laughs> what uh, you guys had to say uh, is this also was very similar with Bertram's episode. Uh, and so I think I think the idea is that if we have really good speakers with really great topics, you guys will listen to it. So, again, I'm glad to have you on on the sequela. Uh, today, we're going to talk about utilization, re- utilization. Oh, let me tell you it again. Utilization Management 360. And uh, early in the previous episode, I know we we. Um, I asked you a little bit of your what your background was. You provided that. Maybe you could talk about that today, uh, and then we'll go into UM360. I also have some questions on that, but I usually ask the first question: What's been going on since October? <laughs> usually, people who who come on uh, who come on the podcast again, it's been three years, but for you, it's it's just been shy about three months. <laughs> so, but I'm always glad to have you on. So what's been going on since uh, uh, early, what, early September, early October, late, late September? Well, Brian, thanks for having me back again, first of all. And secondly, you know, even though it's been less than three months, it's been an amazing three months because a lot of things have happened. Uh, when we talked about Utilization Management 360 before, and, and, I, and I will go over the concept behind it, uh, many times people would say to me, you described the problem very well, but what's the solution? Because we need a solution. How do, how do we go about solving it? And during that period of time, I have worked on the solution just for those of, uh, those of uh, you out there who did not get a chance to hear some of my background. I'm a general surgeon by profession. I practiced general surgery for over 26 years and then left um, mainly because of burnout, 
and people say, well, what kind of burnout? I, well, first of all, I got tired of those phone calls at two o'clock in the morning, dealing with uh, people with drug and alcohol problems and people who wanted to sue you because that's, that's the way, that's the thing to do. And people don't take responsibility for their own actions sometimes, and they want somebody else to bear the, the, the burden of it. But more importantly than that, the burnout resulted from it. Some, and I actually wrote a, a, uh, an article years ago that was in the, uh, the, the, bullet, the uh, bulletin for the American College of Surgeons that physicians typically do not get a chance to deal with their own emotions. And what do I mean by that? You know, when you have somebody who has a family member or a close friend or whatever die, they have a hard time dealing with that. And they're typically taught either by a physician or a uh, therapist or whatever, you know, you got to give it time. It takes time for, for those wounds to heal if they ever heal at all. And when, when you're a physician, you, you may start your morning um, pronouncing a patient that you've known for years that died of whatever, whether it be suddenly or expected, but you end up talking to the family. And I, and I have to say, there were times when I talked to the family that I actually cried right along with them. Uh, you know, the, the heartstrings get pulled, et cetera. But then you leave that room and you're making rounds. And now you got to go into a room where somebody you're discharging because they just got uh, done with a surgery, maybe even a surgery that cured them of cancer. Well, you can't go in that room with, with red eyes or tears rolling down your cheeks. You have to go in there with a totally different attitude. Then you may go into the next room dealing with somebody who's just diagnosed as having cancer, and you got to talk about their treatment or some kind, of, some kind of another terminal disease. And the problem is you wear so many hats, you're constantly changing that, and you're not allowed the time to deal with your own emotions. And after a while, I started taking that home with me and the, 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 when you start losing your objectivity because of emotions like that, you're really no good to your patients either. So that, that was the main reason for my burnout. And I ended up uh, trying to find uh, another position. But then I said, ah, I'm going to look in the corporate world. And I ended up getting a position which led me to where I was as a physician advisor. Did that for over 13 years and left that position the beginning of this year and decided to start my own consulting business. And I, would, I always felt that, uh, number one, it was great to have the corporate handcuffs removed because I could now, I don't have to get somebody's permission to do what I wanted to do or what I needed to do or what I wanted to say. And secondly, uh, I felt that I had well, at that point, over 13 years in the in the physician advisor role, utilization review, et cetera. And so I decided to start my own consulting business. I did take on a project that lasted for about 12 weeks, kind of pre-COVID, uh, although COVID came up during the middle of it and we had a change from being on site all the time to being remote. But I learned so much from that. And it's, it's really there that I cut my teeth on utilization management review, uh, utilization management 360 uh, and started developing the concept. And from that point forward, it has just grown and it, it really is a very unique concept. Very nice. Um, I'm glad I have a general surgeon today on the podcast because I just, I don't know if you watch Netflix. Uh, I watched what's called the surgeon's cut. 
I don't know if you saw that. Uh, no? Okay, so add that add that to your watch list uh, if you ever get a chance. Uh, it is a four-part uh, document documentary series of four surgeons. Uh, the first one is uh, f- a surgeon who specializes... I don't know if you're really a surgeon. Yeah, a surgeon who specializes in fetal medicine. So the title of the episode is called Life Before Birth. Life Before, Before Birth. And so he said that five times. <laughs> I know it's terrible. Uh, the second one, um, he's a neurosurgeon. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of neurosurgeons, and uh, this one, I think he did a surgery with uh, it was a it was a tumor in the brain, uh, and he did conscious uh, a surgery through conscious conscious sedation. <laughs> I'm gonna say that quite. Uh, the next one was uh, a liver transplant physician. And um, she uh, she was described as somebody who's very demanding. And so uh, what's funny is that in the I don't know for any spoilers, I don't really if it's a spoiler, but um, her her husband is her partner in the in the practice. So when they when they did the surgery, they they had, you know, a family. It was a mother and a daughter. The daughter was transplanting her liver for her mother. So the, the the female surgeon performed the, the on the daughter, and then the husband performed on the mother. So they called the husband in to check in on the liver, and then he would he would talk about how you know she's demanding both both in the, in the operating room and outside of the operating room. And uh, he was he says, "Am I allowed to talk about my wife on this documentary?" <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And then the last one uh, was a heart surgeon. Um, out of India, but he was more like um, I think he had an encounter with Mother Teresa, and so now he's doing open heart surgeries, uh, both in the adult side and the pediatric side, especially when you're looking at the arterial septal defects, the patent foramen or valves, uh, the hole in the heart, as he des- as he described it to the patients. So he's done that, and so what you get out of the whole entire documentary is what you talk about the burnout. Um, and the deaths. So there's one in the last episode, uh, you know, whenever there is a death, there's many of them. Um, He actually cancels his surgeries for the day because he can't, I think he has a very hard burden on his heart, you know, if he has to do it again uh, with the next patient. So he has to clear himself out. He goes to, uh, you know, he's, um, uh, he's, he's, he lives out of India. So he has to go to his temple and kind of clear his mind. Uh, before he, but he takes the whole day off. So I can I can imagine, you know, especially for you and any any of the surgeons that are listening to this podcast, uh, the the burden of um, of what's involved in being a surgeon, especially when you look at the deaths, and hopefully not taking it home as you mentioned, uh, you know, in that regard. So I mean, kudos kudos to to surgeons and and all the stuff that you guys deal with. Well, I'll tell you when you you know when you start looking at what it is to be a physician and a and a surgeon to boot. Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 first time and, and I think most patients don't realize this and it, it's okay that they don't but the paradigm shifts that you go through in your mind. I'll tell you two stories. The the first story is when the first time you take a knife into your hand and you purposefully cut somebody mm. make an incision you know that that's a significant paradigm shift yeah you you drape things off so you kind of take the humanistic aspect out of it so you don't see the patient you don't see the face and all that other stuff uh and even if you're doing it under conscious sedation you still you're still isolated but on the other hand the first time that it, you you think about it that you have actually um 
you've, you've actually made an incision and cut somebody open intentionally. The second story, you know, as, as a physician, there really is no human body orifice that's sacred. Uh, you, you know, you put your finger, your hands everywhere. Right. And, and appropriately so, you need to do that. But the first time that I had to do a rectal exam, it was like, oh, my God, this, this is not natural. <laughs> but you got to you know, do they, it. They've kind of been eliminated with time because we have all this other testing and CAT scans, MRIs, uh, colonoscopies, et cetera. But the reality is, is that you do you do end up doing some things that don't necessarily feel natural. Right. And uh, th- that that can lead to thinking challenges in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and it also lead to burnout, too. Now, in the... Um... In the in the the third episode, she mentions something that that you just discussed earlier in terms of fear, uh, and for her, she kind of thrives off of fear. And I think early on, when she when she had um, when she started her residency and started to train to become a surgeon, uh, she just it just didn't you know doing the the cutting part, the opening part, and I, I revealed the you know I revealed this. Um, I revealed the surgeon's cut as a recommendation to my group uh, in Facebook, Medical Coding Geeks, and one of the comments was, is it gory? If it's gory, I'm not going to watch. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. But then it's, it's uh, but but for a surgeon who's training to be a surgeon who who has that fear, uh, and she, she recalls saying, you know, the way she got over it is by embracing it. You know, if she has that fear, she might as well do it because that's what she wants. And and uh, you got to hit it head on, and then look at her. She's doing. Um, she was doing liver transplant surgery. I think she is an advocate for um, the black market for liver tra- for liver organ transplants. You know what they're doing in the black market. So she's an advocate for that too. So uh, you know, if you have fears in what you're trying to do, and you know, if you're fearful of doing something that you want, you got to get over it. Hit it. Hit. Go right at head on. Well, there's an old expression: "Do what you fear most, and you will conquer fear." There you go. I, re- I remember that I had a fear of, of riding roller coasters. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was with my kids, and we were at an amusement park, and they said, come on, Dad, come on, Dad. Oh, and boy. I would always say no. And this one day, I don't know why, I said, uh, all right, I'll do it. But what was even worse is the one that we were going to ride, all of a sudden there was a delay for 50 minutes. Oh, no. So I had to stand in line sweating bullets. <laughs> Uh, and and so, so at that point, I realized, well, my heart must be pretty good because I was able to tolerate that anxiety. But the reality is, is after doing that a few times, I actually became a roller coaster fanatic. Awesome. And I used, and I used to ride roller coasters every chance I had. Very nice. That's when I had younger, a younger body. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Let's take a moment for a quick break. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10 CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with 
with medicalcodinggeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code geek15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code geek, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education, created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. And now back to our show. Uh, I ride roller coasters now, and I'm like, you know, it's it's such such uh, a lot of core work. You know, you gotta uh, you gotta brace yourself oh, yeah. for the G the G force and uh, and deal with it. The ones that I don't like are the ones that uh, where did I go? It was in Disneyland uh, when it was open. Uh, it's called the uh, Galaxy. No, no, no. Wait. It is called the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It used to be uh, the Tower of Terror, and I think they converted it to another theme, the Guardians of the Galaxy. And anyway, anyways, it's the one that drops. So you go yeah. all the way up, and then you go down. I I just don't like that. It, <laughs> the G force, if it's very constant, it 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 makes me. Uh, Sweat profusely <laughs> after, <laughs> afterward. Yeah, afterwards, like like so much longer after I get off the ride, and my my kids are looking at me, like, why are you sweating still? Like the first one, I think it was a it was the you know the 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 gyroscope, the one that spins really fast, and this is one in Epcot, and it, it's supposed to resemble lifting off in the space. So once you start lifting up, it goes really really fast, and you can feel the G force. And then um, I think this was after a food festival. I already had a full belly of food. I my cat, my kid wants to get on the ride. I'm like, okay, like, what's the worst that can happen? I get off of it and I'm sweating. I get out of the park, I'm still sweating. I'm driving on the turnpike to go home, I'm still sweating. <laughs> I'm still sweating. I said, I gotta go to uh, I gotta go to a gas station and to get some electrolytes me because I'm still sweating off of this stuff. So when you mention roller coasters, oh boy, that's uh, that's uh. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a lot to handle. Well, let's let's take that analogy and let's switch over to the healthcare system, which right now is in quite a roller coaster scenario. Cool. Well, so you know, it, it's got its ups and downs, and you know, right now hospitals are closing; they're laying off people. Uh, there's there's the the uh, elective surgeries are being canceled, and uh, revenue revenue is decreasing. And as I, as I mentioned, the Utilization Management 360 came after, or, well, the concept and the birth of it came after the beginning of COVID, but the whole, the whole thing behind Utilization Management 360 is to take a look at five different components of mid-revenue cycle. 
case management, utilization, review, CDI, which is clinical documentation, in, uh, integrity, they call it now, physician advisor and coding. And all five of these components, they funnel into mid-revenue cycle. There are many aspects to revenue cycle, but you know the, the midsection uh, from a patient coming into the hospital and a bill going out after they leave. And th the challenge becomes is that, uh, and I take a holistic approach to it. In other words, the holistic approach means uh, no one part is more important than the whole, although every part continues to the whole. And I think the human body is the best analogy of holism in that um, you know, the, 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 the human body functions as a whole, and some, but it's composed of multiple parts. And some people say, well, the heart's the most important part or the brain's the most important part. But the reality is neither one of them are the most important because they cannot function alone. It needs to be tied together. And with the human body, there's a cement that holds all of the parts together. It's the skeleton and the connective tissue. But on the other hand, uh, there, yeah, there are certain parts that, that you could deal without, like an arm or a leg or even a kidney. Uh, but th the reality is, is, and it shows that, is not one part is more important than the whole. So if you take that concept and take a look at medical, uh, take a look at utilization management 360, there are five parts to it, but not one of them is any more important than the whole or more important than the other. And we'll get into the, the, the team concept in a little while, um, which, which also feeds into that. But what is the cement? What is the, the structure that holds those five components together? And that's actually documentation. Each one of those five components is, is looking at the same documentation, the same chart, the same medical record, but through their own lens. And that's where the challenge comes is because territorialism. Well, I, I, I'm CDI, I'm, I'm, I'm the most important, or, uh, and there's no communication with any of the other four components. Now the physician advisor, uh, one may say that they're not really a silo. And the truth of the matter is that's true because they actually interact with at least three of those four other components. But, but they still, it's the documentation that holds it all together. And we're actually putting, we're, I'm working with a company uh, that is putting together an IT platform where all of this documentation resides in one place so that any one component has the ability to take a look at the other components and, and as I constantly say, break down the silos. Because that's what the important concept is behind Utilization Management 360, is breaking down the silos. We all know what the problems are, but how do you address it? In, in my experience, I've, I've been a CDI specialist. I've, yeah, I've been a CDI specialist for 12 years, right? And all of the parts of what you mentioned in UM360, I've dealt with. I've dealt mm -hmm. with case management. I've dealt with uh, utilization, utilization review, uh, quality, uh, being uh, dealing with a physician advisor, coding, right? And so, at least where I worked, I saw what you talk about—the great divide. And so everybody is always, you know, I do what I want. I do what I need. I don't uh, need you. I don't. Yeah, I don't need you. You're better than me. 
Um, but I've also seen, um, even though there are, I guess, lines in the sand uh, where other components like case management will ask CDI, can you please review this? Or coding, can you please check this out? Or what's the code for this? Or uh, talk to the physician advisor, could you please advise me on how I could query this? Or how can I uh, approach a physician for that? So the the potentials for uh, each component, as you mentioned, reaching over, you know, I guess seeking advice, you know, uh, I've seen it. But as you mentioned, with your holistic approach, I, I, it makes sense. But uh, there are, I guess, I guess there are, you know, institutions out there that are still, as you mentioned, siloed, right? And yeah. so I guess everything that glues together, as you mentioned, is the common bond or or the uh, the commonality is the documentation. And so I guess the question that I want to bring you know up forth is, you know, institutions that because I guess the way the organizational structure of the of the institution or the hospital, they have it in separate departments, right? And for at least at least from what I've experienced, uh, CDI encoding is usually under one uh, HIM, unless CDI is under quality. So CDI tends to flip on either one side, either case management quality or HIM. But regardless, there's always kind of like a separation. Uh, so your 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 UM three hundred and sixty. Uh, provides a holistic approach. How do you approach that with somebody that's, you know, like a client or a potential client that uh, doesn't have that holistic approach? Well, first of all, uh, you're right about the different departments that uh, some of these components report to, as you said, HIM. Uh, and the other one that's that's missing is sometimes utilization review and case management right. report to nursing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes neither one of those are considered revenue-producing departments. Mm. But the reality is, let them not do what they're supposed to do, and you watch what an effect it's going to have yep. on revenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the things in, in looking at Utilization Management 360 and the concept behind it is that you know people say, well, so how, how are you going to solve the problems? Well, the answer is, I don't know what the problems are. I don't know what the problems are until I get in there and start taking a look yep. at it. Mm-hmm. And you, and in essence, you do what's called a gap analysis. Right. You know where you want to be and you need to find out where you are and outline a plan of how to get there. And I love that, you know, that gap analogy and, and coming to a solution as, uh, as in making a puzzle building. I love to build two to 2000 piece puzzles. Sometimes it takes me three months to do it, depending upon how much free time I have. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do you put a puzzle together? Well, the nice thing about it is from a gap analysis point of view, you have the picture of what you want to achieve. But depending upon how many pieces are, you open up the box and there's 2,000 pieces that don't even look like they're related unless when they manufactured it, they actually ended up leaving a couple attached right. to their their counterpart. But the reality is, is, how do you build a puzzle? There are those who do the outline, the edges first, yep. and fill it in. There are those who take all of the pieces and put them out on a table and work from there and try to find what matches. Mm-hmm. And then the third way, which is the way I really like, it, which, which I think really fits into 
uh, solving the problems with Utilization Manager 360 is you take one section at a time. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a picture of um, uh, uh, several boats on, mm -hmm. on a river and there's a bridge uh, there may be, so you could build this, put the sky together first. Mm -hmm. You could take a boat, put that together first, and then eventually you start piecing them together. And that's the way I like to solve a puzzle. Mm -hmm. That's the way I like to solve a problem in a gap analysis, mm -hmm. find out what the problems are and then work towards your process. Yep. But that's the first important step. Well, let me let me jump on in here with the puzzle. <laughs> you mentioned puzzles, right? So we've had a lot of time, uh, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, hopefully resolving soon. Uh, and puzzles were the one thing that I've done. And you mentioned the different types of uh, ways of solving it. And I think the, the last way that you did is the way I did it first. And so uh, I grabbed the it's not a 2000 piece puzzle, but it was a 1000 piece puzzle. Um, and. I've never done a you know a, a, a puzzle with that many amount of pieces, so I'd had no clue about the ones where you could do you, the 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 method where you have to do the outside first. I didn't realize that. I never I knew I never I never did it. It was our second time, second and third time that we did the perimeter and then worked our way in. But the first time I looked at it and I'm like, okay, here's the picture. I guess the desired outcome, right? And yeah. uh, and I and I and I I, I thought to myself. Where can I begin? Because whenever you have a problem, there's always one area that you can start off with. And so uh, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, this one has a specific set of colors. This one has a specific set of shapes. Let's look for that. Let's look for that specific. So I literally, out of the 1,000, I was looking at it. I'm like, okay, this looks like this. This looks this shade, this this uh, this angle, this this shape. And I put it all into one um, area. And so I figured if I could do that, I'm not going to put it together. I'm just going to put it in a pile. And then every part of the puzzle that had a specific picture, I'll put it in a different pile. I'll put it in a different pile. I'll put it in a different pile. Then I started working and putting it all together. The last part was the hardest part was doing the edges because then I had to, because everything looks the same <laughs> at this point. I didn't know which corner where it was. And I think I already had the, the, the inside parts already put together and then it was the, the outside was much harder than doing it, you know, doing it afterwards versus doing it in the beginning. But I like that approach. Uh, you know, when you look at a puzzle, which way you did it, and reveals how you solve problems. And I looked I, again for me, it was where where am I most familiar with, and how can I create commonalities, and then work right there. And I work my way around, and then build all the pieces together because it had different pictures, you know. And then by the time all the connective parts, I eventually solved them, and I did the whole picture. Well, actually, what you just what you described, and we'll talk about in a little bit mm. when we talk about team empowerment, is bottlenecks, mm. bottlenecks and constraints. Nice, and that's exactly what you what you worked on, and they are so important because if you have bottlenecks, if you have constraints, what does that lead to? Workarounds. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if if you're starting to work on one section and you can't find the pieces for it, well, that's a bottleneck. Mm -hmm. And what are you gonna do? A workaround. You go to another area and work on that and then come back. But the problem is until you solve that bottleneck and until you solve that constraint, you're not gonna have a complete picture. You're not gonna have a complete process. Mm -hmm. 
So there you have it. That is part one of my interview with Dr. John Zellum. If you want to learn more about Dr. John Zellum, you can check him out on LinkedIn. But also you can check out his website, StreamlineSolutionsConsulting.com. MedicalCodingGeek.com